Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Picard Season 3. We're going to be talking Episode 2. I'm Brandon T. McClure. With me, as always, is Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Doing good, my friend. How's everything? It's doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, we're doing this episode a little bit differently. We're live today. Who knows what will happen? People can show up in the chats when this happens. It's going to be great. But we'll see. Uh, we're talking episode two today. Episode two of Star Trek Picard season three. Episode two is called Engage. Directed by Doug Ariakoski. We'll go with it. Sure. Uh, written by Christopher Monfett and uh, and Sean Tretta. Uh, so that's a, that, what do we think about this one, Cookie? So freaking good. I loved it, especially after we last talked. We had all of these these things in our minds of what's going to play out, how this is going to happen. Who is this kid? Is he Picard's son? Who is the handler? Is it, in fact, our very own Klingon? And all of our answers were answered, which was wonderful. Or all of our questions, I should say, were answered. And it was it was delightful how everything played out, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, I was really happy to see that these things didn't. Uh, and I apologize if you hear me sniffling. I'm still recovering from an illness I had this li- earlier this week. Um, we uh, we had speculated a lot, and one of the things that I think is a good sign is that we're already learning some answers. Yes, you know, I talked about it a lot last season that with ten episodes, you don't have a lot of real estate to do filler. Right. Um, and a lot of TV shows, especially when it comes to like Marvel shows, they leave their um, their answers to the back half of the season. They wait. They make you wait for the answers. They keep mm-hmm. asking questions, and they want you to wait for those for those answers. But so far, our two major questions: who is Jack Crusher really, and who is, and who is Rafi's handler, have already been answered. Yes, and I'm happy about that. I am too. Very much so. And the way that they were answered, like how they came about, how the answers came about were were beautiful. I thought they were very, very beautiful. Um, I, I definitely felt it. Like after you pointed out in the message saying like a warrior, that yeah. just that word warrior stuck out and you were you hit the nail on the head. So we'll go and we'll disclose information. Um, Worf is in fact the handler. Wonderful. Absolutely. All white. Beautiful. He looks so good. He does. He looks so regal. And his his action scene, I know we're jumping really far ahead, but his action scene was awesome. Was really awesome. Let's talk about everything around Raffi this episode first. Let's start there. Because I I actually think her stuff is the weakest part of the episode. Except for the end. Except for the end. One of my issues with Raffi in this episode specifically is that I kind of felt like we were spinning our wheels. Mm-hmm. Until we get to Sneed, which I think Sneed, I think her and Sneed, that's a, that's a really good scene. My issue doesn't really come from like her yelling at Worf in the beginning or her handler, as we learned as Worf, or talking to Sneed at the end. It's really the middle stuff with Raffi when we meet her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Because her ex-husband is like, I, you know, you, when you, you get like this and you get conspiracies and you get the, the and I'm like, she was right. Yeah. Yes, she was right. right. She is right currently, right now. She is correct. Yeah. So wait, 
So like because people because they they're like oh when you get like this and you know blah 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 it's like she was right about the Romulan plot. She was I, vindicated. I think what it is is like when you her backstory is very much kind of hidden. Like we know that she was heavily using drugs and alcohol, and yeah. I think during that time you couldn't trust her. And it's like anything that came out of her mouth was almost like the the boy or the girl who cried wolf. Well, she was a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, so it's like everything she did, nobody's going to believe her. And it's like, because you've done that so much, it's hard to go and believe somebody. Maybe they're trying to set that precedent with her ex-husband and her own son not really trusting and believing who she is. It just didn't ring true for me. And I, there's got to be more to it because, like, if it was just... Like, I know they're trying... Maybe they're trying to play it off as, like, you know, it wasn't the conspiracy, it was the drugs. Like, you know, we see you see going back on the drugs. But, like, how come when she was proven right about the Romulans that her son doesn't come back into her life and says, hey, mom, I'm really sorry. You were right about the Romulans. Yeah. I get, you got to think, though, being her son, maybe it's like he has this pride and he's now shameful for not believing in his mom. And he's like, I don't know if she's going to love me. Because I didn't believe her when she needed me. But that's not how they frame it. They frame it as she he doesn't want her around his child. Mm-hmm. Because of what because of what she, she's on. Because of what she's on, she, her conspiracy theories, you know, she gets she gets it in her head and all these things. And I'm just like, again though, she was right. Yes, yes. So then I think what I'm kind of torn with is what is her what is her reason in this story? Yeah. And how does it fit into what's going on with Beverly, Picard, Beverly's son, Will? Like, what? how does this all connect to be one again? Because right now it's very much distant from each other. Well, I'm really happy. That's why I'm really happy that Worf shows up at the end. Not just because mm-hmm. I really love Worf. Um, <laughs> but because, like, the fact that we get Worf at the end kind of says to me, all right, now we're kind of on the track to getting we know that Worf connects with with his friends again. Yes. We see him talking to Riker in the trailer. So now we can get to see how Rafi's story starts to intersect the main story. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think it's probably this, just as simple as Vatic bought the weapon. Yeah. That's it. And I, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It does, I don't think it needs to be that elaborate for the story to still evolve and grow as time progresses on in the yeah. correct direction, which I feel that, we had a concern with with season two and how everything played out and started off great and then slowly started to die down so far season or episode uh, one and two of this has been really hitting the pace very well. In my opinion, I'm, I'm liking it. So I, I think that as long as they don't overcomplicate the storyline, they make it simple. Hey, this is what it is. And just keep going with the beats that they're doing. Things will fall into place perfectly. The thing the thing that's important to remember is that with a simple story you allow more characters chances to shine. Correct. And with a with a show that is famous for its ensemble as many Star Trek shows are but certainly next generation um if you complicate the story you risk losing characters. Mm-hmm. So if you want to keep your story simple the the most complicated thing that we can see right now is that Vatic wants wants Jack Crusher for a reason. We don't know mm-hmm. what that reason is yet, but it's there. It's the most complicated thing we have right now, and and because it, you can just have okay. Vatic is trying to to destroy the Federation. Yeah, 
Okay, well, now now it's a simple framework that allows all of our characters to come back and have moments where they can really shine in ways that they weren't able to in the, in the, in the previous four movies. Mm-hmm. That's I what I think is important. I agree with you. And I one of the things that I'm kind of very much looking forward to is LeVar Burton making his return. And we're getting hints. So we had episode one where we got the hint from his daughter. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is LeVar's... I keep saying LeVar. This is Jordy LaForge's daughter. And yeah. she's now helm of the ship. She's running the ship or driving, flying it. And then we get her talking about her dad again in this episode. So it's just like they keep hinting more and more at her dad. And it's like, we need to get him. We need to get him. Bring him back. And we know where he is. He's the only one yes. we know where he is. He's at the Fleet Museum. Mm-hmm. We don't know where anyone else is at this point. Um, I guess we've probably safe to assume that Deanna is back on Nepenthe. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, where she and her, where she and Riker went to live after Thaddeus Riker died. I'm still pissed about that. That was such a stupid plot line. It's not, I don't, I do not feel bad saying this right now. Just in case Terry Metalis watches this, by the way, love your work. Um, if, <laughs> he did not write season one, so I don't mind shitting on, on Michael Chabon's decision to kill Thaddeus Riker. Because like, did you have to make everyone's lives so shitty? Listen, I don't even know where to begin with that, but that is a whole another whole another discussion and topic. That was a long time ago. This was years <laughs> ago. Um, no, but but seriously, like I think that it, the part of the fun of this season so far has just been kind of how do these characters come into the mix? And we don't mm-hmm. get a lot of Worf, but what we do get was really cool. Yes. Um, he has a really awesome action sequence that we only kind of tangentially get um we've talked about before he looks incredible um and the most importantly the klingon theme plays yes it did i was gonna mention that to you because we talked about it in episode one with the music of the enterprise and and star trek next generation and then we get Worf's kind of musical notes of klingon which for me was just like once i heard it i got chills and i'm like oh brandon was right brandon was right it was so the good. Music in the season so far has been there's uh I think one of the best soundtracks I have ever heard is Godzilla King of the Monsters. Okay. Uh have you ever seen that movie? I is that is that the last one that came out? Second one. Second one. Okay. This is the one with Ghidorah. And Mothra and Rodan. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Okay. You're thinking uh, that one has an incredible soundtrack. Uh, one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. And um, it because it pays tribute to all sorts of themes from the past of Godzilla. The Godzilla mm-hmm. theme plays quite heavily. Mothra's got Mothra's theme plays into it. They, he creates new themes that weaves them in. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful soundtrack. And this sound, this season feels very similar. It's playing with the music from the past. We're not mm-hmm. just getting uh, a ton of, uh, a ton of original compositions. We're getting a bunch of Jerry Goldsmith music back mm-hmm. in, a bunch of James Horner music back in, um, yep. and, and 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 then some. And the composers who I don't know offhand from um, who composed uh, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. I don't know the name of the composer, um, but he. But you know, we're getting some of his music in, and I think it's really, I think it's really cool that we're that we have now a composer who is so just like, it's so in tune. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Pun intended. (laughs) 
Very much so. Very much. And I, yeah. I loved it. And it, everything seemed to musically wise, everything seemed to flow very, very nonchalantly. Like it did, it wasn't forced. It just seemed it, it fit perfect. Everything fit perfect. And it was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, Worf shows up, you hear his theme and you're like, hell yeah, there's Worf. Yeah. Um, Sneed, that's, that's a good scene. We haven't talked a little bit about, well, let's talk about Sneed before we move into kind of the greater plot of the episode. Okay. Sneed is a really fun Frankie. I really enjoyed his scene. Yeah, I, I did too. And I, I liked his care. I liked the fact that we got a Frankie involved in this, which was really nice and yeah. enjoyable to see. And just see transactions happening again was great for me because that's that's their whole meaning for life is transactions. So yeah. seeing him just sit down, relax, and he's like, ah, transaction complete. And I was like, that's so cool. They just put a smile on my face. He's such a he's such a slime bag compares to the compared to like we've always know we know that Ferengis suck. Um, but there are but like there's levels of suckage that Ferengi get because like Quark is like He's a criminal, but he's kind of like a criminal with a heart of gold. Yes. Uh, and then, like, there's then the Nagus is the Nagus is an insane <laughs> maniac. But he, like, we've met Frankie, but we never really met a, a Frankie gangster. Yes, correct. We and I thought not. that was I thought that was really cool to see that 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 kind of like seedy side of capitalism as far as the Frankie is concerned. Absolutely. Can you give me a half a second? Yeah. Okay. My wife just wants to grab something from me, so give me one second. That's okay. This is only live. Uh, <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay. Um, anyway, I don't know what to do now. <sighs> I'll show the live people my ships. How about that? Look at that. Look at that. Cookie is actually having a, 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 a child soon. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but whatever. For the live people. He's having a child soon, so things are, you know, really hectic in his life right now. So, hey, he sometimes has to bow out. Unfortunately, we have to do this live. Uh, so, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. I'm here. I'm here. He did it. He's <sighs> back. Sorry. It's okay. It's really interesting having to spin my wheels when we're live. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. Oh, man. Um, I literally like ran downstairs, ran back upstairs. I'm like, all right. <sighs> I get it. I had to do I had to do that many times on our live streams. By the way, Sunday nights are live streams. If anybody's watching this, uh, check out our live stream tonight. Um, but uh, I have to do that many times. However, the the difference is there's there's four of us on that. <laughs> Go and keep yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. But anyway, Sneed's a cool character, so let's move on. Why don't? Why not? Let's let's go well, to the. Before you uh, go, I did have a yeah. question for you. How do you feel about his character kind of being killed off so quickly? Like you have this buildup of her, of Raffi and her husband talking, or ex-husband talking, saying, "Oh, I want to go and meet your your broker." And he's like, "He's not a broker. He's he's a gangster," and it's like he's he's super evil and he's pretty bad. Granted, having Worf come in and do what he did, but at the same time, it's like boom. Character's gone and done. See that, but he serves his purpose in the plot. After. Yeah, he's yeah. done. If he, if he, you keep him alive, there's really no purpose. If you keep him alive, he should never come back. And so, why not kill him? Yeah, very true. I, I, I like that, and I like the fact that he said he didn't want to keep any loose ends. So yeah. he killed off her boss, and he had the head just sitting there. I was like, that's pretty cool. And like because because I think Worf's thinking is this. He's Starfleet intelligence. He's. I don't think this is Section Thirty One. 
I don't think so either. I don't know why they brought it in. They should not have brought it in in the first place, but that is... I Because I don't like the... I don't want Warp to work for Section 31. Me They're neither. the worst. Um, but I don't... So I, like, I don't think this is Section 31. I think that Sneed thinks they're Section 31. Mm-hmm. But they are Starfleet Intelligence, and they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing. So, yeah, we need to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no witnesses kind of thing. I think this is Worf kind of just cleaning up a mess. Yeah. In a, um, a non-Starfleet tactical way, mind you. Yeah. Because he, he's definitely like, he whipped out that sword super quick and he was just shing, shing, shing. You know what's really cool about that sword? Yeah. Uh, it's designed by the guy who designed the Batleth. Really? Yeah. So is this is this something that's like, I guess really specific for wharf only or is it something that's like a normal weapon throughout all of klingon same as a bat with i think it's meant to be like a klingon weapon but like wharf is using it this time but like okay one of the things that i think is really cool about this season is that when they announced that the that the new cat that the next generation cast is coming back they also said and the people who brought the next generation to life behind the scenes are coming back that's cool so, so you're like, getting a lot of the legacy being involved yeah, so what you have is a bunch of people who worked on pro- uh, on props and ships and all sorts of things for mm-hmm. the next generation are now working on Picard to kind of keep it all continuity-wise. And Correct. that's a really good segue to the Titan because what I think is incredible about the Titan is that there are 500 people on board that ship. Yes. It's small. It's, it's not small. It's not, it's not defiant small, but it's not... JJ Enterprise big. Correct. It's that, a normal size Starfleet ship. And when when I heard that, it made me think of their captain. It's like, okay, maybe he's not that good of a captain. Maybe he's just a, an average Joe captain following orders, not trying to get in trouble, not trying to have an adventure. He just, if he doesn't get told to do something, he's not going to do it. He's oh, yeah. the run of the mill captain. He's a working man's captain who That's is it. very, very upset that these people are on his ship. Absolutely. I uh, I really, I gotta say, man, I really like Captain Shaw. I think he's a really fun captain. Because, again, like we talked about last week, he's so fascinating that you're like, oh yeah, why is he being so mean to Picard and Riker? But he's like, I, these people have endangered my ship. Yeah. Like, I didn't ask them to be on the ship. Starfleet didn't want them to be on my ship. They commandeered my ship. They tricked me. They got my second officer to commit mutiny against me. Like, I'm I'm not happy. (laughs) (laughs) And he's definitely not happy. And he does such a great job with his character. As far as the actor does an exceptional job of making me still not like him. Like I I still do not like his character. And towards the end, when we have Picard kind of going and taking command and saying, Admiral on Admiral's in charge here. You need to back down type of thing. He even goes and says to him, he's like, this is on you. So if anything happens to this crew, it's on you. It's not on me. And it's like, dude, yeah, grow a pair of balls. That's you're still a captain of the ship. Uh, I you misread that situation. Okay, please, please enlighten me. So let's let's talk about that scene because you brought it up. So we're so this is at the end of the episode when Beverly and Riker come onto the bridge, and there's mm-hmm. that the beautiful scene that I want to highlight between Beverly and Picard, where they're just they're not talking to each other, but they no know words. exactly what they're thinking. Yes, and it's amazing. It's just and, eye contact. That's all it was, was, just eye contact. And Picard says, belay that, 
Admiral's orders, lock everything down. And 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 uh, Shaw says, what are you doing? You're going to get us all killed. Why are you doing this for some kid you don't even know? And he's like, he's my son. But it takes a while for him to get to that point no, of but that's admitting it. But that's important. But that's important to Shaw because now Shaw is like, okay, we'll fight. Yeah, because one, he doesn't have a choice at this point. It's an admiral over a captain. No, it's not that because he's a retired admiral. He doesn't have to do shit that Picard says. Even so. He resp- at that moment, he knows exactly what Picard is doing, and he knows that Picard is in the right, and he's with him 100%. All right. I, 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 I will take your word for it, and I, I will let it, I'll let it slide, because when, when he grabbed his arm and he said to him, this is on you, not me, if anything happens, I could have sworn I heard him say that. That was earlier, though. Okay, so that was before. So now, now that he knows this is his son, he's all on board. He takes back that word and he says, "You know what? I'm in no, this because, with you." Because he says, "Because he says, like he says, you want to protect this fugitive. That's on you. You can't, you commandeer my ship. That's on you. You have gotten into trouble." But now he knows. Oh, this isn't some fugitive. This is your son. I'm going to help you protect him. Okay. Yes, I. Because look at it from Shaw's perspective. I can't believe I'm defending Captain Shaw. I love it. Uh, Because look at it from Shaw's perspective. These two old ass men that he does not really care about have shown showed up on a ship, forced him to to forced him to engage, forced his hand into engaging a far superior force. He says he's an exploratory ship. That ship outguns the strike outguns him a thousand to one. Yes. Okay. He's in a lose. He was in a lose lose situation. So that is my thing. It's like, if he's in a lose-lose situation, he said it countless times, does this one kid outweigh 500 souls? And Do the while, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? Yes. Okay, so out, out, as a captain, he has to truly still understand, like, while yes, I 100% soul-heartedly agree with you going and wanting to do this to get your son back. I cannot jeopardize 500 people for your son. I am sorry. There's, we have to figure out no, another way. That, no, but let's think. Now that he knows it's a son, he's willing to jeopardize the lives of those 500 people. And why does that change? Why? Because it's change? a because it's his son and not a fugitive. If it was a criminal, if it was a criminal who is destined for the for trial and a guillotine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Of course he's going to be like, yeah, a criminal against my crew? Yes, I'm going to protect my crew. A cr- uh, Picard's Pavilion. son against my crew? Shit. Okay, all right, all right. All right. I, I will give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. That's how I see it. I like I, Shaw. No, I think he's a very well-written character. You've definitely opened my eyes because I, I did not take it that way. I always took it as regardless of him being son or not, it's the one... Versus the many, and the many being 500. Granted, it's not a massive ship, but 500 people, no matter which way you slice it, it's still 500 people. It still holds more people than the original Enterprise, by the way. The original Enterprise is about 400. Mm-hmm. So it's still a little bigger. Uh, real quickly, talking about the original Enterprise, did you catch the name of the shuttle as Savik? I did not. Savik, do you remember Savik from Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan? No. Uh, the, 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 the Vulcan girl who's introduced to Star Trek II yes, The Wrath yes, of Khan. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, yes. Uh, yeah, she she event that character became the captain of the first ship to be called Titan, mm-hmm. and then uh, that's the so in the 
in the ready room, there are three gold model ships. Okay. Which is the original Titan, which is a Constitution 2 class, I believe. Uh, then there's, and that was Captain Misavik. And then there's the Luna class Titan, which was Riker's ship. And then now the new Titan, which is the the new Constitution class that we're on now. Gotcha. I always like, uh, I always really like gold ship models and ready rooms. So we've, we've had now two kind of like callbacks. We've had one with the planet and now we have this with the ship. So we're, we're having some really great moments where the writers in, in this series are really like paying small little homages, little respects to the fans who have like dedicated decades to watching this. And it's, and they're always blinking. You miss it. They're not major. They're not major like call out moments. Oh, that's a reference. Oh, that's a reference. There are things Mm -hmm. that if you're paying attention, you're going to want, you're going to, you're going to see those things. But if not, it doesn't hurt you for losing them. Yeah. And that goes back to what I think did so well in season two, which is that like it it makes Star Trek feel like a lived in world rather than just a world we just pop into every now and then. For sure. Um, I, so I appreciate that. There's a line that Jack Crusher says, uh, is anybody you know the person you knew? This is a good, good. line. So good. So good. I, I did want to ask you, I want to go back to Rafi because I know – this is more of a weak point, but I did want to talk about her coming to grips with, oh, crap, I'm now being questioned if I'm part of the Federation or not. And it's coming down to me taking drugs or not taking drugs. And that decision of like, you you saw it weigh so heavily on her, knowing that she really has to do this. And then Worf in the end kind of saying, I told you to stand down. I told you not to do this. And it was just like a, a small little slap in the face to her. Like, you should have listened to me. But it was. You should have listened to him, honestly. Yeah, it, it was so good to kind of like see her, like, kind of go through that trip, be helpless, and you now what? wondering what's going to happen to her. Maybe she shouldn't have listened to Worf. Why? I think maybe at this point we're probably led to think, think so. But like, if Starfleet Intelligence was just going to let this go, maybe she was right to force their hand. Okay, if that's the case with Worf and what we know of Worf and how he's acted on the next generation, he was very much an impulsive character. He was, let's go to war every single time. He was always gung ho, never sitting back until he. Go ahead. Less so in Deep Space Nine, though. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So now that he has been a, a seasoned Federation, um, higher class person, personnel. He's gotten a lot more age to him, and he's understanding why things are done the way they're done. So I think that he has all of this knowledge of saying, like, hey, I know what it's like to be a gung-ho, ready-to-get-into-the-action type of person, and now I've gone through these years. I know why I need to be this person and why I'm teaching you not to touch the stove because it's hot. I don't want you to get burned, and she's still insisting on getting burned. There could be something there. We just don't have a lot of information right now. Correct, yeah um i'm just i'm just kind of spitballing like okay well maybe maybe wharf was maybe wharf's hands were going to be tied and rafi untied them could be yeah yeah there's 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 always that possibility because like you know go back to season one really nothing was going to get done unless rafi and picard did something yeah you're right and the fact that they that they took it into their hands forced starfleet to actually to actively participate in this 
and, and this conflict that was going on behind the scenes. Maybe a similar thing is happening now. Starfleet is just like, you know what? We don't want to, we think we got the terrorists. We're good. And Worf's like, we don't though. And they're like, okay, but we do. So stand down. Uh, and so he's and Rob- following orders, but like subliminally kind of spitting the idea of like, hey, you should go and do this. Like, yeah, or, or because we see in the trailers that Worf is a pacifist now, although I don't know how that works with him cutting off people's heads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like we see in the trailers how Worf talks about being a pacifist now. Okay, well, maybe maybe he truly thought that, you know what, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's just not worth it for you to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a couple of ways that that could go, and, and we'll probably find out next week, honestly. Mm-hmm. I wonder how long until Worf teams up with the rest of the crew. I can't wait. <laughs> it, so, they're so far away from each other, because you when you think about it, you still have LaForge, which is at, at the museum. Yeah. You have uh, Raffi and you have Worf in some other location currently. Which Probably, I think I think it's still Metalis Prime. Okay, and then of course you have Picard, which is on the outer reaches of Federation space. Yeah, so they're very far distances between them. How they're all going to get caught up? Because right now Picard's in some conflict. He's in some issues. Well, he's going to have to get away from Vatic soon. Yes. Um, let's talk about. Let's talk a little bit about Picard's plotline. Okay. Um, I I really like the I, I really like um when he's on the Elios with Riker and Jack and they're doing this whole thing. Uh, you know, they're trying to figure out okay, what are we going to do with this with with this thing? Are we going to talk to them? Can we talk to them? And like, mm-hmm. and like Picard's like, well, let's let's call them. Let's open a dialogue and let's negotiate. And they're like, uh, no, <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> Uh, Picard's like naivete. He was just like, "Well, yeah, let's talk to these guys. Let's yeah. let's 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 calm them down." It's like, mm. I don't think that's a little too late for that. Uh, and they and you know he puts up the transport inhibitors. I thought that was a really thing, really cool idea to to, to like prevent Jack from being beamed out. Yes, and then and then it like pays off again. It wasn't forgotten. It was paid off when the Titan was trying to transport them out. Correct, and it was it was so cool to see that, like, see him. You're seeing these moments of Picard, a lot of visual presence with the camera on his eyes. And yeah. you're watching him as these things are unfolding. And he's like, I put this up here to go and protect everybody inside the ship from getting beamed out. And you're seeing these like wheels turning in his head like, this might be my son. This this very well could be my son. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to believe it. He, he doesn't Correct. want to think about it. He's like, he, he clearly knows. Yeah. But he, does, he doesn't want to put that in his head. Correct. And Riker doesn't care. Riker's, Riker's like, like, come on you, now. I can see this. this. You can see this. The timings match up. You know who this is. And it was it was definitely really good. Um, especially seeing Picard use a phaser and just like hit targets like it was yesterday. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really cool about the season so far is that they're not giving Picard, they're not giving Patrick Stewart more than he's capable of doing as an actor. <laughs> he's He's almost he's a really old man i don't know yeah. how old he is off the, off i think the, he's in his 90s right i think he's early if he's late 80s early 90s uh because picard is 99 okay yeah picard's 99 and I, so i think he's probably 89 i think i think the rule of thumb is still they're 10 years older than they actually are he's 82 oh he's 82 so he's, he's a lot 82. older <laughs> Well, because Picard was born in 2303, and we're set now in 2402. So Picard is 99 years old. Gotcha. 
Um, and I, I think, yeah, like roughly next generation rule was you're 10 years older than you actually are. Okay. Uh, because the idea was that they're, go- that they are supposed to look younger when they're older because they have longer lifespans now. Yeah. But still at 82 years old, it's you, you can't do the same things you were doing when you were 42. Right. So in the first season in the second season, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that he has to do. There's a lot of weird framing where he finds a way to sit down, where he finds a way to not bend over, where he's always maybe just standing around leaning on something. And this season so far has found really comfortable ways of like, okay, well, and this scene, it makes sense for you to be leaning on this panel. Okay. For this scene, it makes sense for you to be sitting in this chair. Okay. For you, like they're not giving him too much, uh, too much to do because he's so damn old. Older man. Yeah. And that's what the benefit of Riker is because Riker isn't as old as Picard and neither is Jonathan Frakes. And so he's capable of doing the more physical things. Correct. Yes. That Picard would normally have been saddled with in the first two seasons. Mm -hmm. I think that was really smart. That is, that's, it's very, very great on the director's like vision of how they're going to go and place Picard in certain scenes, how they're going to go and utilize what he can and can't do to benefit that scene. And it shows like a, a level of complexity to that director and knowing their, their crew and knowing what their yeah. crew is capable of. So, yeah. And I, I just don't think they had that in the first seat in the first two seasons, the first season, definitely not. Cause they had him running upstairs doing a oh, lot yeah. of physical labor. So <laughs> they had him do way too much. It was, yeah. He did um, a lot. Anyway. So yeah. So they, they have on the Elios, they do a couple of, there's a couple of action sequences. I, I, I like Riker taking charge. Hey kid, pass me the thermal detonator. It's cool. Um, and then, uh, uh, then the Titan, the Titan got a really cool moment where it just like warps in and cuts off their tractor beam. So cool. I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah. So, but, but back on the Titan, I really like a lot of the conflict that we're dealing with, with Sean and, and seven, seven is like, okay, yeah, we're helping these people. We're doing this. And Shaw's like, you need to shut up because you <laughs> disobeyed me. I'm surprised um, she didn't flip, like just cut him, just cuss him out. Like when she, kind of got disciplined inside of his office saying like you're done like you you're done you need to go to your cabin and chill out like because i just he expected was right. her what because he was right yes but even it's... picard says so seven was put in an impossible situation i i get it i'm sorry yeah it just like i don't want to like the guy all right <laughs> <laughs> he's a really nice guy though no he's a, i don't know if he's a nice guy he's clearly he's clearly got some issues yeah. um but I, I like him. I think he's a good, I think I really like how, how the actor plays him. I really like how the character's written. Um, I think he's a Borg. He's an ex-Borg. That would that would kind of piece things together. I think he was assimilated at Wolf 359. You do you think we'll find out about it? I think so. I think that's I think that's gonna be his big reveal that he was assimilated at Wolf 359 and he was de-assimilated many, many years later, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or or shortly after, who knows? Um, there's a, and I could be wrong. Maybe his ship was just destroyed at Wolf Three Five Nine, like Cisco, okay. uh, like Cisco's was. But I do think he was there, and I think it, because I he doesn't like Borg. Clearly, doesn't like Borg. Not at all. But Vadek says her, his profile says function is he's he's operating functionally. 
That's a very strange thing to say to a human to a human being, isn't it? That is that yeah. That the choice of words is definitely very interesting. Which because you brought up Vatic and like she knew a lot. Like she yeah. knew a lot of not just Federation protocol, but their back history. And as like a bounty hunter, not knowing that this ship is around and automatically having all this information, there's like there's some form of connection that I'm trying to figure out. Was she part of the Federation before? And she broke off as a bounty hunter, kind of like what Raffi was. Well, I don't think she's a bounty hunter. I think that was a lie. Okay. I I but I don't know how far that goes. And I don't know what her I, I don't know how she would possibly know so much about the Federation unless she's got well, we know that she has she clearly has dealings because they say in the beginning, like he's like, you know, Jack's like, uh, hey, uh, you know, first it was the Fenris Rangers, and then it was Klingons, and then it was a couple of people in Starfleet uniforms. It doesn't say Starfleet. But like Beverly said, trust no one. Yeah. Well, maybe she's got people in Starfleet. Maybe this Vatic has people in Starfleet. Very true. So then um, that's a possibility that maybe Worf knows Vatic is the potential antagonist of this the show. Yeah, maybe. What do you think of Amanda Plummer? She's Vatic. I no, I yeah, I know. I'm just trying to I don't know how I feel because she seems very like senile. In a sense, like her smoking oh, her cigar was really cool. Like how she lit it was really cool, but just how she kind of carries herself. And then after Picard kind of takes over the ship and flies off into the sunset or into the cloud, the nebula, she's like so happy about it. She's like, yay, I get to do an adventure. And it's like, this girl is kind of like a, a joker. She's very yeah, it's very it's very Joker esque. I don't think she's like, yay, I want I get to do an adventure. Gay, I get to hunt them and destroy them. Yeah, that's probably right. Exactly. Um, because she clearly wants to kill them all. And yes. like what what I really like about the performance so far is how campy it is. I think I think I, I love campy villains. I think whenever you can do a campy villain, you should do a campy villain. Um and Star Trek has has, has many campy villains. Plenty. Uh, plenty. Plenty of them. And and the next generation crew never really got a campy villain in their movies, and so it's really yeah. cool to see them. And I, I've talked at I've talked at ad nauseum about the fact that uh, Christopher Plummer is her father, and she and he was General Chang in Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. I get a I get a lot of I get a lot of that when he when she's acting in the chair. There are very similar uh, physical actions happening uh, to them that is, is being a nice callback, maybe not intentionally, but it's there. Um. So far, I like her a lot. I, I think she's 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 so nice in the beginning, but so terrifying about yeah, it. She's scary. She has this like twisted vendetta that's just waiting to explode. And I can just see her. You want to see how I got these scars? And it's like oh, yeah, a little bit scaring me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's fun. It's like she she just called them to be like, hey, can I tell you what the name of my ship is? Right. It's called the Shrike. Because it's going to destroy you. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, she has, she's really good. I, I really like her character a lot. I was concerned with, like you said, the campiness. You like the campiness. For me, it's like, it depends on how well it's orchestrated. And I think she's doing an okay job at portraying her character as evil, as maniacal, as sadistic. All of these like traits that you would find in... Um, an evil antagonist and she's she's possessing them but it's like how how is she gonna go and get to that point when she really snaps and she goes from being psychotic to like i'm gonna kill you 
Yeah, I'm really interested to see where that character goes. Yeah. We don't get a lot this season, but I think what we do get is very memorable. For sure. Oh, sorry, this episode, not the season. Uh, this episode. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, I forget as much. Um, yeah, I, I, I just really liked uh, her interplay with uh, Shaw and Picard. I think the this kind of, like, idea that she knows... She knows more about them than they do. Like she even mm-hmm. says to Picard, it's like in the synthetic flesh. <laughs> how how common how knowledge? Know how common knowledge is the fact that Picard is is an android now? Yes, it's so like I don't know. It just it's crazy how much she knows, and that's what makes it so scary. The fact that she knows all. It's almost like they ripped pages out of James Bond. A little bit. It was yeah. it was really cool to kind of see everything kind of play out. Um, I do want to ask you, what were your thoughts on the the interaction and dialogue between Picard and his son, Jack, and him talking about Beverly, like, when's the last time you spoke to my mother? Like, what was going on for you during that moment? I really like, so I really like Ed Spilliers as Jack Crusher so far. Um, it, it's important to note right now that it's been about 20 years since Picard and Crusher saw each other. Ed Spilliers is 35. Okay. So there could be a reveal that he's not actually Picard's son. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's more likely that he's just playing a 20-year-old character. Okay. Because the the look between Picard and, and, and Beverly would lose its meaning if Jack wasn't actually his son. I agree. So I, I think it's probably more likely that Ed Spillers is just playing a 20-year-old. Okay. Um, but I really think that the scene specifically between Picard and Jack that you're talking about is really interesting when you look at it as a way of like Picard knows, yes. like he he knows the when as the <laughs> moment that Riker, the moment that Riker says like says do you see what I'm seeing yeah the answer <laughs> is yes Picard just wants to deny it. he just doesn't <laughs> want to think about it. He's like, you know how much child support I would have to pay if money was an option? But it's much more than that. It's like, why would Beverly take my son away from me? Yeah, and keep him hidden from me for 20 years. Yeah, so he's like, so no, it can't be. It can't be my son. Why would I can't have a son with Beverly Crusher? Mm-hmm. Um and so like he, he so it's really interesting when you play it like that, when he's looking at when he's talking to this guy and he's like, um, you know, I'm try, I'm learning about this kid that says he's Beverly's son could potentially be my son. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this rogue knave who is a criminal and who is wanted for murder on one planet. There's one line that I thought that I love. It's like wanted for actual, actual terrorism on binary three. What does actual terrorism mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, so, so I think that's really interesting to play that scene, but at the same time, I don't know if you remember the few times we met Picard as a kid. Okay. Uh, in, yeah. In Next Generation. Remember? Oh, he uh, through the winery? What? Through the winery? You're talking no, about in Tapestry. No, the last season. Him no, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about Next Generation. Oh, Next Generation. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. I'm thinking you're talking about the last season that we had. No, in Next Generation, Picard is described as as a rogue. You know, he's yes. this. He slept around with a bunch of women. He, uh, he. You know, you read the autobiography of Jean Luc Picard, and it talks a lot about how Picard is was 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 a was a dick. 
You know, he was a womanizer and cocky and he was all sorts of things. And then he lost his heart. And that was a really important, that was a really important moment for him. Ed Spilliers is playing that character to a T. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And, and so I, like, and like, like Riker, I'm like, he seems familiar. Yeah. He's like, you don't see this? Like, come on now. And that was such a beautiful scene when we get Beverly coming into the mix. Like, granted, she's she's gone through a lot. And they just sedated her heavily. And yeah. Will's like, nope, she needs to come out of this thing right now. I need her awake. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets her. He gets her onto the bridge. And you just see her eye. Again, it goes to the eyes. But you see her eyes have this, like, glossy glow to them. And she's... She's so depressed at seeing Picard because it's like Picard and her lock eyes. Picard asks her, where were you? Where have you been? Is that my son? She looks down and she looks back up and it just tears. And you see Picard hold back his emotions by just closing his eyes. Like, I cannot believe this just happened. This is my son. I need to step up. It's so it's so interesting because you can put any dialogue in that scene. And what's so important is that there isn't. Correct. Uh, there is never a moment where Picard says, is this my son? And Beverly says, yes, there, mm -hmm. because we don't need it. The audience knows. Yeah. At this point, the audience knows what Riker knows that this is Picard's son. He doesn't need it. He doesn't, we don't need it. What we do get though, is so much more interesting because we just get Beverly and Picard, Beverly, the look of shame of seeing Picard, the look of sadness of losing Jack of seeing Picard, Picard, look seeing the reassurance of like oh shit this is my son yeah and then and then seeing on his face i need to step in and and we get one of the greatest line reads in all of modern star trek which is which is just what uh which, which is just he is my son yeah <laughs> which, which is just like hell yeah and then like okay here we go we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna fight yeah and shaw's like we're guess we're fighting there's nothing else around it so that's it well, I do wanted to um, uh, shout out the chat real quick. There's a person in there, Zach oh. EQ, saying interesting theory. So I just want to say thank you for uh, tuning in and watching the show. If you're still here, thank you. Thank it, you. This So far, this series has been, um, as far as season three, it's been wonderful. The, the theories from what we're spitting out have been great. Like, if you got a chance to listen to the last episode, Brandon hit the nail on the head with theories. And every single one, just hammer, instant hammer. He got them perfectly, so. I'm just really good. What can I say? No. <laughs> um, it's all one of the things I really like about doing Fakeness Watch as a series, and I've mentioned it before in many other Fakeness Watch episodes, is that we get to discuss episode by episode going through these series, going through these theories, because that I think is what is so much fun about episodic television, not episodic television, um, weekly television, because we can, it's the water cooler moments, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, um, it's the idea that we can watch an episode, you and me can discuss it bounce back and forth some theories, learn some learn some new insight about things that I saw, about things that you saw, and come up come up, come come out of it the other end in in a having a different understanding with the episode. And yeah. then we go into the next episode. Exactly. And then it's like everything that we talked about gets so far has been getting revealed in the right way, in the right pace. And it's been it's been beautiful. So yeah. Um I want I want let's just look at my notes real quick. Because I think I'm kind of wrapping up. Cool. Um, all right, let's talk about the ending, the very, very end. I'm not, ta I'm not talking about the he is my son moment. I'm talking about the put Vatic on the screen. Oh, yes. 
and and just who did you have you come to a conclusion what's your word engage engage and i was like that's the title of it beautiful and i was man i was so pumped i like just fire the, the sea and the titan fire those torpedoes and just just Take gun off. it into the nebula it because good. one of the great things about the titan and i want to say again the titan is one of my new favorite starships in in all of star trek i think it is beautiful mm-hmm. it works for me because i'm a sucker for the constitution class starship like i love a constitution class starship dude i think Actually, it's bread and butter it's Star Trek. The Constitution class <laughs> is Star Trek. Like it is just it is it is the it is a perfect starship. They nailed it in the very beginning. This is what Star Trek is. It is a Constitution class starship. And the thing about the Titan that was that people were looking at when when the when the um the trailers were going on, it has six impulse engines. Yes. That's a really fast ship. Yes. And it's an exploratory vessel. But it has no. But it doesn't have a lot of weaponry. It's not big mm-hmm. on weaponry. Obviously, it's got phasers and torpedoes. But it's not like it's not a warship. It's an exploration ship. Mm-hmm. But it's a fast exploration ship. So when they taught, when they created the strike, when when they're talking about the strike of like, okay, well, here's how weaponry uh, how superior it is to us. Okay, so we can't fight it, but we can run and we yeah, can we run can outrun fast. it, and they can't catch us. Yeah, and I think that's a really, I think that's a, that creates a really good, good setup for the next season, for the next episode. Sorry, next episode, I don't know why I yeah. keep saying a season for the next episode because we can get into it of just. Do you remember the? Do you remember Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan? The ending of it. I so I have I I don't remember any movies. I need to go back. We need to go you back to. and just watch some movies together. It is it, but the end of Wrath of Khan is is just is just a submarine. It's just like a submarine fight. No, no, uh, uh, no sensors, no view screen of the Reliant and the Enterprise, just kind of looking for each other in a nebula slowly. Okay, I think we're getting that next episode. You think so? I think so. I think the Titan, the Titan, will be able to outrun the Shrike within the nebula, and then it's going to be a slow like. All right, where are they? What are so we the- looking for? Do you think that this is more of like a what was it? Discovery had this same type of concept as well with what's his name? I can't remember his name. The the British dude, British black dude, and his small ship oh, going book. into yeah, book and him yeah. going into their nebula, or whatever, and they get lost and trying to find him in there. So I mean, we've seen it a lot of times when it comes to Oh, it's Star a tried Trek. and true Star Trek trope. Hide in a nebula. Yeah. yeah, instant. So it was it was cool to see that and just like have it readily available for them to utilize yeah. and hopefully to execute it in a, in a good way. I think the season is off to a really good start. The ending of this episode had me pumped. I think it yeah. makes complete sense that the strike and the Titan would be, would be a match for each other because of the Titan's speed and the strikes power. I think Correct. it's such a really interesting way to look at it because Starfleet isn't about power. It's not about power. It's about exploration. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not a military in the in the in the classic sense. They're an exploratory force. So of course, in the situation where they're outgunned, well, what do they rely on? Their speed. Their speed. And I think that's really smart. And I'm really excited for the next episode. I, I'm right there with you, man. This thing looks great. All right, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cookie, thank you for joining me once again. Where can people find you? Um, on Instagram at just little podcast on Twitter at just podcasting on YouTube. I will get back shortly. Uh, just little podcast on there. Um, and then Patreon, just little podcast on Patreon. 
if you want to Excellent. support the show. Excellent. Of course, you can find me, Brandon C. McClure, at the Fichtner Podcast, Family Podcast. There's a ton of stuff, guys, so strap in if you want to stay tuned for this. Um, this is Fichtner's Watch. Fichtner's Watch is a series that we do where we talk about all sorts of TV shows uh, after they have aired. Um, there's currently two Fichtner's Watch a season a series going on. There's The Last of Us, which you can check out. My co-hosts on the Fichtner Podcast, um, Sparks and Ryan, they're going through every episode of The Last of Us. A new episode is out now if you want to check that out. Um, this is for Star Trek Picard Season 3, and we will hopefully continue this episode by episode for Star Trek Picard Season 3, so stay tuned for the next week. Um, there is Basement Arcade, which is a video game Let's Play series. There's Basement Arcade Pause Mini, which is a video game discussion series. That actually has a new episode out if you want to check that out. Um, there is Animation Station. New episodes coming soon, actually. Uh, and Fake Book Club. New episodes hopefully coming soon. Um, there is all sorts of shows you can check out on this channel if you like this video and you subscribe to this channel. Uh, there's also an audio feed for Fake Nerds Watch if you want to subscribe to that. We've just dropped all of the Mandalorian episodes that we have discussed. Uh, they are now on the audio feed for the first time, just in time for season three of The Mandalorian, which is out on Wednesday. Awesome. So awesome. Um, <clears throat> and of course, you can find everything on the Fake Nerd Podcast family of podcasts. Fake Nerd Podcast goes live every Sundays. If you want to check us out, we're talking about uh, We Have a Ghost, which is the new Christopher Landon a movie uh, starring David Harbour, which is on Netflix. Um, I recommend it, Cookie, by the way. It's very good. I will I'll definitely look into it for sure. Um, we're talking about that this week. Uh, next week, we're talking about, I don't know, we, we, we decided not to do Cocaine Bear because this week because of we couldn't get to the theater and I was sick. Uh, we'll probably do it next week. If not, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Um, we always do. There's always an episode. There's always a topic. <laughs> There's always things to talk about. Um, but yeah, so that'll do it. You can find all those on Fakner Podcast and all the social medias, Fakenerpodcast.com. I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. We also have a Patreon, by the way. Patreon and T Public. If you want to support us, support us financially. It's a different Patreon than him. Support him and support us. So you know. But we're not a packaged pair, unfortunately. <laughs> um I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and Kaiju Roman Kaiju Ramen. So I'm sick kaijiramenmedia.com Cookie, where can I find you again? Uh, just little podcasts everywhere. Just podcasting on Twitter. Excellent. Until next time you see us, guys. Live long and prosper. Let's do it. Throwing up all these...